The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Back in 2020, I preached a series of messages dealing with one of the primary objections that atheists have to the existence of God. That objection deals with the problem of evil in the world. The existence of evil has always been an issue among the philosophers of this world. Many say that if God were truly God and truly good, he would eliminate evil. But what is the true relationship of God and evil? And How do we deal with the problem of evil as Christians? I hope in these next few messages we can answer the question of the problem of evil from a biblical perspective. There are many philosophical arguments that we could talk about, and we'll probably deal with a few of them during these series of messages. But for the Christian, the primary place to get answers is not the philosophies of the world, but the scriptures given to us by God. How do we deal with the problem of evil from a biblical perspective? I hope these next few messages will help us to answer that question. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
morning, um, the topic that is on my mind has to do with a uh, philosophical argument, actually. The problem of evil in the world is something that is used by those who consider themselves to be atheists uh, to attack the fact of the existence of God. I'd really need your prayers this morning because I'm not going to be able in an hour to, um, to deal completely with this issue, and I'm going to approach it from a biblical standpoint. Now, I recognize that there are those in the world that do not accept the Bible as authority, and, and so uh, there's a whole area of of Christianity, and uh, I don't know if you call it theology, but it's called apologetics. And it comes from the Greek word apologia, which simply means to make a defense. It doesn't mean apologizing for Christianity. Somebody asked me that one time, said, you mean you're apologizing for Christianity? Well, no, I'm not apologizing for it, but I am making an apology, an apologia <laughs> for it in the old sense of the term, and that is the idea that I'm trying to defend the faith not from the scriptures, but from outside the scriptures. Now, there is an inherent problem with that that we have to deal with up front. And, and, and one, one of the reasons you don't, you know, when I come to the pulpit, Brother Buddy gets up here, he doesn't say turn to Plato's first work and let's talk about Plato and Aristotle and, or let's go, to, uh, let's go talk about Albert Camus and his absurdity argument about uh, life and so forth. Uh, you know, those are things that it's, it's, we, should, we should know about them. It's, it's okay to know about them, I put it that way. Um, if you're going to make a defense of the faith to someone who is not already grounded in the faith, then, then it's very possible you need to go outside the, the Bible, look at archaeology, history, some philosophy, that sort of thing. It's fine to do that. That's, that's, and I, I've actually had a burden to try to go into that direction sometime. Uh, I've tried to do some studies lately. C.S. Lewis was a great apologist for the Christian faith. His, his book, Mere Christianity, sometimes you get a chance, read that book. Because C.S. Lewis wasn't just a, a, an author of fiction. Some of his, the best books I've ever read are the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, go read them sometime. They're awesome. I love them. Uh, uh, an allegory, if you will, for Christianity. But C.S. Lewis wasn't just a great theologian and a great writer. He was an apologist for the Christian faith. And, and he was a philosopher in many ways. Uh, he came up with some wonderful philosophical arguments uh, in favor of Christianity. But again, I say to you, I'm not here to preach philosophy this morning. But I do want to deal with one thing, one question that the atheist always goes back to, almost always, in his attack on the existence of God. And that's this. It's the problem of evil in the world. <clears throat> now here's what the atheist says. If God exists and God is omnipotent, that is, he has all power, and he is omniscient, that is, he has all knowledge, and he is omnibenevolent, that is, he is all good, then why does evil also exist? In other words, couldn't God have either created a world without evil, or couldn't God intervene and prevent the evil that occurs in this world? Now, that's the philosophical argument that most atheists go back to in order to... Uh, 
in order to attack the very existence of God. And as I said, I can't deal with this argument in the time I've got this morning. It would take hours of, 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 of if not longer, of, of talking about it and, and talking about things apart from just the scriptures. And, and, and I'm not going to, ch- if you're here this morning and you're atheist, okay, I'm not going to change your mind in this 45 minutes, most likely. Um, and I'm not here to try to, uh, to try to make the great philosophical defense of the faith. If you're, I will say this much, if you're bought into this argument, okay, then there are some basic assumptions about God and his relationship to evil that you make in order to uphold that argument. So this morning, I'm not going to try to tear down that argument and convince you that you're wrong and convince you that, uh, uh, that God indeed does exist. There is faith that is imparted in the new birth that has to exist in the first place for you to believe that God exists anyway. Okay, But, but what I do want to do, uh, and, and let, me, let me also say this, I believe there are children of God who have forsaken the faith who, who consider themselves to be atheists, I believe there are children of God who have fallen away from the belief in God. I know many that have fallen away from maybe our particular faith, but I'm talking about those that have fallen away completely from any faith in God, either due to some teaching that they've gotten mixed up in or due to uh, uh, the world out there in general, sometimes it's a traumatic event that occurs that shakes up somebody's world. And if you're, let me tell you, if that hadn't happened to you yet, get ready, it may. And that's why it's important to be grounded, rooted and grounded in the faith. There are those out there that I believe are children of God that have fallen into this error. This morning, what I want to try to do is to try to set our understanding straight about the relationship that God has with evil and sin. Maybe, if nothing else, it might alter our thinking about God. It might help us to understand Him a little bit better. So, let, let, me, let me just start this out by saying this, that I believe there, in, in, in philosophical terms, and maybe even in religious terms, uh, I, I'm, I may use the terms a little bit interchangeably this morning, but you know I'm primarily talking about from a religious standpoint. There are basically two types of evil. There is, there is moral evil, which we would call sin, okay? And then there's natural evil, which we might call calamities, the hurricanes, the, 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 the earthquakes and other... what we call natural disasters, what sometimes are erroneously called acts of God. You ever heard that? (laughs) But you and I both know that some of those, that's not always the case. But there's two types of evil, moral evil and natural evil, primarily. Again, I'm there's a lot of other there's a lot more talk we could do about this. But let's just assume for this this uh, message this morning, there's two types of evil. The moral evil that we're talking about is the sin that we see around us and that we see within us. It involves the willful actions of human beings. It encompasses the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, murder, rape, robbery. All of those things are, are, are concerned, are, are the evil, uh, that type of evil. And now, just to make sure you understand that I'm not taking all this outside of the Scripture, I want you to turn with me to a few Scriptures that will kind of show, I want to show you the different types. Uh, uh, we're going to turn to one Scripture uh, to, to talk about moral evil. Genesis chapter 6. 
Genesis chapter 6, and, uh, and you know the story here. This is the flood. This is the beginning of the, uh, of the Genesis story of the flood here, where it says that men began to multiply on the face of the earth. And you know that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. They went in and had children. And, and, and we were told a whole bunch of things about the, the, uh, uh, the growth of the population during that time. And in, the, in verse 5, it says, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. There's that word evil, okay? It comes, and by the way, uh, the Hebrew word that's usually translated evil is the Hebrew word ra, R-A as we would look at it. The Hebrew word ra. And, and it's interesting that it says in verse 5, the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That's the same Hebrew word, Okay. And this here is the moral evil, the sin that we're talking about, okay? It, it is the, the, the wickedness of man, the evil of man was, was, was rampant upon the earth. And this has to do with his willful, sinful actions. Now, there's also natural evil, okay? There's natural evil. And what I'm referring to there is the fact of all these hurricanes, just bad things that happen in the world. A tree falls on somebody's house and kills somebody. Uh, uh, an earthquake opens up at your feet and your, and your family is, is destroyed. The hurricane comes and destroys your home. Is, there, is that sort of evil mentioned in the Word of God? Well, in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 7, and this is going to be one of our problem verses that I hope to deal with before this message is over. Uh, I call it a problem verse because it's a problem for us. It's not a problem for God. <laughs> it's not a problem with the verse itself. But notice in Isaiah chapter 45, uh, God is beginning to talk to us about his, his, uh, his authority, his sovereignty, and how great a God he is. And, in, and, and, and I'll let you in on a little secret. The context here is about, uh, about the... Uh, uh, the punishment uh, that God reserves for those who don't do right and the blessings that God gives to those who do right. And notice in verse 7, he says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, the, 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 the word evil there is, is primarily referring to the natural disasters that occur. And, and by the way, uh, you say, does God use those natural disasters sometimes? The answer is yes, he does sometimes, <laughs> but not all the time. And that's the problem we have. We, one of the things that I must hasten to say this morning, and you know this, but I want to make sure we are reminded of this, is we do not believe in the absolute predestination of all things. God did not predestinate the hurricanes to hit Louisiana two times in the last month. God did not predestinate that. Does God ever use a hurricane or a tornado, a whirlwind, or some other natural disaster in the way of chastening his people or punishing the wicked? Yes, he does. We see that in the Word of God. There are times when he does. The danger we have is that we try to ascribe to God, uh, we try to blame God for all those things. I heard Brother Sonny Powell say one time that the problem with the absoluter is that the absoluter believes that God deals with all of the people all of the time like he dealt with some of the people some of the time. <laughs> You've got to rightly divide the Word of God. But right here, this evil that he's talking about is not the evil wickedness of men. 
Because we'll see, we, we know from the Word of God that, that He cannot touch sin. He is not playing around with sin and He does not create that kind of evil. But the evil He's talking about here is the kinds of natural disasters and things that occur in the world that are bad. Okay, so let's talk about this, okay? In order to understand God's relationship to evil in this world, of all kinds, including sin and natural disasters. We must go all the way back to the beginning. We've got to go back to Genesis chapter 1. And I want you to notice as we go back there that there are a couple of terms that are being used here quite a bit in chapter 1. It says in chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And thus begins the great creation story. And as we continue to read it every day at the end of each of the creation days, God says that what he had done was what? Good, right? Good. And then at the end of the sixth day, <clears throat> after he's created man... He, he refers to what he's done in the whole creation as very good. Now, I, remember, we're talking about God's relationship to evil in this world. God didn't say it's good and bad. He didn't say over here's some very good stuff and over here's some very bad stuff. Did you know that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it wasn't bad either? <laughs> There wasn't anything bad or evil about that tree. It was a good tree. It contained knowledge of good and evil, but it did not have anything evil about it. And I wanted to just read to you what the word, the Hebrew word for good means. And that, that word is tov, T-O-V, we would transliterate it. The Hebrew word is tov. And, and I'm just going to, I just, I want to read this to you. I want you to listen to this. This is Strong's exhaustive concordance of the, of, of the Bible. And this is St Strong's definition. Good as an adjective, in other words, when this word, term is used as an adjective, it's used as good in the widest sense. Likewise as a noun, uh, it's good, a good or good thing. A good man or a good woman, the good, the goods or good things, good men or women, singular or plural, in other words. Also used as an adverb, its, its, its definition is beautiful, best, better, bountiful, cheerful, at ease. It can, be, it can denote fair as a word. It can denote favor or to be fine or to be glad or to be good. Um, and, and, and it's interesting in the way they define it. They use every superlative that, that's known. So it can be good. It can be, um, it can be fine, uh, goodlier, goodliest, goodly, goodness, goodnesses. <laughs> It can be gracious, graciously, joyful, kindly, kindness, loving, most, or most pleasant, pleasing, pleasure, precious, prosperity, wealth, welfare, or to be well favored. 
I don't think it left anything out, did it? I don't see any exceptions here. It was good, okay? Now, here's the other thing that I like about going back and doing a little word study on these Hebrew and Greek words. When, when, when he says it was very good, that's, a, that's the word tov, that word for, that I just defined for you there, plus another word, uh, ma'od. It's, uh, it's still used today in Hebrew, by the way. Uh, sometimes you, somebody will ask you how you're doing in Hebrew, and your answer will be tov ma'od. I'm very good, very well. Tov ma'od. And the word ma'od means, uh, I like this, the word, and that's the word we, there's translated here as very. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not improving, I'm not trying to improve on the King James translation. You can't get better than very good, okay? But think about this connotation that, that the word very carries. With vehemence, vehemently, or uh, diligently exceedingly you know you ever i've been over to uh ain't lorraine's and some of you know that i like to eat i know it's not obvious but some of you know that i like to eat and ain't lorraine fixes those sweet potato uh, sweet potatoes that are uh sweeter sweet potatoes than they are naturally i just put it that way and i love those and and there'll be times when i've eaten those and i've told her this how was it? She'll say, and I'll, I'll, you know, sometimes you say, ah, they were good, they were good, you know, good. You know, that doesn't, that's not what I usually say, though, to that. What I usually say to that is, man, they were good, very good. I mean, you know, I'm vehemently assured that they are good. I'm putting my power into it, you know. If I'm eating some, you know, if I'm eating broccoli, and I'm wanting to be nice, and, and it's, it's good. I, I have to admit, I, it's good. But listen, you get that lemon dessert, oh, oh it's good. You know, it's really good. And it's so, so that's the idea here is that God is saying through all of his creation, this is good. It, it doesn't get any better, but it did get better because it's very good. God looked around, and he wasn't just, yeah, okay, it looks good. I like it. It's okay. It was like, man, this is very good. I can just see the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, gathering together in whatever way they have their perfect fellowship and looking at one another, looking at their creation and looking back at one another and saying, boy, that's very good. And I can almost see them clapping each other on the back. Just, you know, can't you just see that? Oh, this is awesome. This is great. Well, see, that's what God created. So to understand God's relationship with evil in this world, the first thing we need to understand is that God did not create this world with evil in it. God created this world not just good, but very good. And to demonstrate that, he tells us some things about it. On the fifth and sixth days, look at verse 20 of Genesis chapter 1. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. I, Seth and I like to watch that, some of those David Attenborough documentaries blue planet and others like i've been watching blue planet uh oh i actually watched it two or three times and there it is unreal especially that south pacific 
uh, episode where it shows the vastness of the Pacific Ocean. And you'll be watching that, and right in the middle of it, some humpback whale will break the waters open, and it'll, uh, its, it's, it's spout will, will blow out the air and the water. And it's just majestic and beautiful. And, and can you imagine on the day of creation how wonderful those kinds of things would have been to see? He's saying that's what he's doing here. And he looked out and God said, it's good. And God told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let fowl multiply on the earth. And that's the fifth day. You don't see any problems here, do you? God didn't say, uh, go out and kill one another in order to eat and live and grow. He said, y'all, be fruitful and multiply. This is before man now. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters. There's room for everybody. It's good, you see. And then in, in verse 24, he said, God said, let the earth, this is on the sixth day now, let the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then he goes on to make man and by the way, he says, let us make man in our image. Did you understand the Trinity's being taught us from the very beginning book of the Bible, from the opening credits, from the opening credits, we're being taught that God is, a, is, is one God manifest in three persons. Now I want you to look at something else here. See, here's what I want you to understand. There was perfect harmony in the garden. Man is created here on the heels of all these other created beings, all these other living things. And yet there was perfect harmony with the animal world, for example. Skip over to <clears throat> chapter 2 and look down at verse 18. Look what happened here. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So he's looking out and saying, Man needs a partner. But notice what he did. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Now, this is, by the way, not a conflict. This is an elaboration on the other. Um, this is God referring back to what he'd already done. But notice what he did. He brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And notice what it doesn't say. The Trinity, the Godhead, didn't look to each other and say, okay, let's build Adam a little cage over here where these tigers, when they come by, won't slash him with their claws. Let's, let's make sure we put him up in a tree over here where, where the elephants won't trample him. Let's make sure we put him in a, in a shark cage down in the water so that the sharks won't eat him up. You, notice what, you, notice, you know why he didn't say that? Because he didn't have to. There was perfect harmony. Notice back, I, I skipped this. I should have read it in Genesis 1 back in verse, uh, uh, verse 26. It said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. 
If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.